Hello and welcome to Sweat the Details, brought to you by Nest Realty, where we discuss topics from design and data to branding and technology and everything in between that are affecting and influencing real estate and today's agents. I'm Jonathan Kaufman. I'm Keith Davis. And I'm Jim Duncan. Hey, this is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and the Sweat the Details podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm sitting here with Jonathan Kaufman and Keith Davis. Today we talked with Dan Green with uh, Customer Cultivate, and we talked about a bunch of stuff. It was a wide-ranging conversation, but we, we talked about the shift from realtors being the first point of contact and then the lenders and how Dan sees that as being lender first and then realtor. And we also talked about the, the long gestation period of the buyer realtor lender relationship where it was you know used used to be you know three to six months and now it might be six to 18 months and so we covered a lot a lot of ground in between so thanks for joining us today all right so so what, what are you up to right now uh, we are uh we're building our, our systems to help mortgage lenders real estate brokers stay in touch with their clients over long periods of time we're finding that it's uh it's been a, it's been an issue as buyers buyer behavior is changing and buyers are doing more for themselves um, it, I think that uh, those of us who are service professionals uh, aren't accustomed to buyers kind of driving themselves through the process as much. So what 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 led you to to, to that discovery? Thanks for asking, Jim. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, I was a mortgage lender for a lot of years, and um, the thing that I noticed over time was that um, home buyers were were reaching out uh, to me and, you know, and anecdotally through, you know, to other mortgage lenders earlier and earlier in the home buying process. Um, it used to be, we only met a buyer after they had found a house through a realtor and they were increasingly coming to us higher and higher in the, in their uh, sales journey. And they were, um, and they were unrepresented and they had tons of questions. And so it was weird because as a mortgage lender, you're, you're really just conditioned to, um, to try to, finish things off, right? There's a house under contract. And so let's go in and uh, figure out what's the best mortgage. But there's a there's a much larger educational component. And um, what I found was that um, mortgage lenders weren't really equipped for a long sales cycle. Um, and that's, that's really what's happened. Uh, whereas mortgage lending used to be the last piece of the home journey, um, more, you know, more frequently, we're seeing it actually as one of the first things long before realtors ever contacted. Now, it, how long how long were you an active lender? I mean, you you were a lender for for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, about about twelve years. Okay, about twelve. Yeah. So, how was that shift? I mean, you, you had the um, you know, when you started. What, what, what did the people come to you with realtors already in hand, or did they, you know, what, did that shift happen in the latter part of your career when uh, as, as a lender? You know, it was funny when. when um, it was part of the formal mortgage training process. And I think any any very good uh, mortgage brokerage or uh, correspondent lender, even retail, it's got a great training program. And and one of the things that they teach us on the very first day is about building relationships and networking and how important it is to be out of the office and meeting with realtors or meeting with insurance agents or just being out in the community. And that was so that after a person, a home buyer, had found a home, uh, that you were top of mind, right? And and top of mind was a was a huge phrase, like to be top of mind uh, in two thousands and you know even earlier this decade was a was a very big deal. Be top of mind. So when somebody's buying a house, they think to call you for a mortgage. And uh, today it doesn't really work like that. You're not top of mind. You physically want to be top of Google, uh, pretty much, right? And so that's how that's how home buyers are finding mortgage lenders. 
And um, I started to notice um, a really big shift about three or four years ago, um, where even now we find today that when when we meet mortgage uh, meet, meet home buyers uh, as mortgage lenders, you know, we're finding that eighty two percent of home buyers do not have realtor representation, and they're actively looking for mortgage info. Um, and that's astounding to me because it used to be right that as a mortgage lender, the only way you could get business was to be in the business a long time and make these tight relationships with realtors and, and other people in the community. Um, and, and we as lenders, we relied on realtors for business. Um, and now, the, you know, from from the lending perspective, it feels like that's flipped um, and that. Now, as mortgage lenders, um, you know, if you go to a lending conference, you'll, you, you know, you'll hear lots of loan officers talking about how now they have leads to give to realtors and how it's flipped the tables, and how realtors now depend on them for business. Dan, um, Dan what is what has changed in that process that's actually driven the consumer to look to you first before the before even starting the the home search itself? Um, if if all if I can make a um, if I can amend the question a little bit, I, I think that they actually have started their home search. Home buyers are, um, they feel uh, empowered by websites that make uh, information available to them, right? We're all accustomed to Instagram or any other Pinterest, any other apps that are image based. And so if you say to a home buyer, you know, what is it you're looking for? They'll tell you how many bedrooms, maybe how many bathrooms, and, and maybe some vague idea of a neighborhood. And there's tools for them to go out and search that information on their own. Um, it's not always clear to a home buyer, especially first timers, what the value is of working with a realtor. And so what we hear from home buyers is that, um, you know, when does it you decide to reach out to a realtor? And they tell us, well, I realized I couldn't get into a listing unless I called somebody. And they're not seeing um, home buyers don't see the value uh, necessarily of, of what a real estate agent can do. Like there you've got the data. The data is available to everybody. But, uh, you know, as we know. It's the, the value of a realtor is how do you interpret that data and how do you help that data make sense to somebody and how do you help them make better decisions based on the information at hand? And um, repeatedly through exit interviews, we hear from, you know, from the same buyers who said they didn't need a realtor. They say they wish they had contacted one sooner and they didn't realize that the role of the realtor went deeper than just kind of opening up a door and, and showing them a house. So, Dan, that, that's a great um Great insight and a great point. Where do you think, uh, drilling down on that a little bit, where do you think the opportunity lies for realtors to educate consumers? Is that an NAR initiative that needs to be taken? Is it something that needs to be done on a, on a local broker's level or a state level? What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I'm kind of a doer guy, and I think as you know, individual loan officers need, or individual um, real estate agents need to uh, need to get out there and, and kind of spouse their value prop. Um, I think that uh, on a national level, or, you know, organizations and associations have been trying to get this message out for a long time and, and maybe haven't really hit on um, the exact message. Um, but there are brokerages that have great marketing campaigns that talk about why you should work with us and the value that we provide. Uh, there are real estate agents. They're out talking about that as well. Um, you know, I, I think this is something that, um, uh, you know, requires uh, direct messaging, <laughs> Um, here's why we're good for you. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it's uh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, the, the the points you bring up are are very interesting. And you talked about these long sales cycles. I think the stat that I heard a couple of years ago was that uh, the average consumer searched for a home for six months, 
in their house before they told you know a, a, an outside family member and then from there then they reached out to a realtor from there so it's really kind of something this this home search process starts in a back room where nobody knows the big <laughs> secret and then you know slowly that secret kind of gets out to family members and then you know eventually a realtor and eventually a mortgage person but it sounds like you're seeing a lot of cases where the mortgage uh, professional is is jumped ahead of the of the real estate professional. So um, so 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 diving into a little bit about what you're doing. How do you how do you attack this long sales cycle for uh, for someone that reaches out to you and maybe three six twelve fifteen months down the road? And how do you engage them for that extended period of time? Well, we um, we start with a statistic, um, and it's that you know let's say you know last year as an example. Um, most of your about five and a half million homes were sold roughly. And there was 85 million real estate leads that changed hands. And so what that tells us is that the average, you know, typical home buyer is submitting their information online um, to you and also to 15 of your competitors. And so we take the approach is like, okay, well, what is the reason why that that home buyer feels the need to resubmit over and over again? What are you not, you know, what if we are an individual practitioner, a service provider, what is it that we're not providing that this person feels that they need to go out? And I, I think it's backlash, um, you know, it's backlash against uh, drip marketing and against uh, automated campaigns where, you know, we're constantly pushing messages as service providers onto home buyers. And, you know, well, if they don't buy today, well, let's just set them up on a drip campaign. Okay, well, they're, you know, they're planning on buying in a year. So give them one year drip campaign. They're buying in five months. Give them the five months drip campaign. And that's constant push messaging. Um, but that's not how that's, you know, if we flip it around and think about our own buying behaviors, that's not, you know, we're not on a time cycle. We don't all follow the same path. And there's different times where we have different needs. And so um, the the issue that we're trying to solve is to, Look at it from a, um, what is the buyer really telling us? What can we infer from their behaviors with how they're interacting with our content, with um, our website? And based on that, what information do we think they need to see next? And so we're constantly saying, okay, you know, if you opened a, um, if you watched a video about uh, low down payment home loans, and then you watched another video, and then you watched another one about cash gift uh, for down payments. So now I know you've watched three videos. Now I know that you're moving in a certain direction. And I can make a guess and say, well, probably the fourth uh, communication that you're going to want to see is along the same path. And, and so by watching what the buyers do and then giving them content that actually responds to their interaction um, you know, with us, we, we think you know, we're going to see much better outcomes and actually keep that user from going to search Google because that, then you're lost. That's great. So here, here's, a, here's a question for you. Um, kind of push a little bit on that. So one piece that you don't have, it, it doesn't sound like, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this home search process. So somebody could be watching videos, uh, you know, and, and then two minutes later they jump on Zillow or their local brokerage site and search for homes. Is that information that you have? And if you don't have that, how, how are you addressing kind of the, all right, I'm ready to buy or this is the type of home I want to buy or, or you know, different, different uh, questions like that? Well, I, I don't um, I don't want to turn this session into a, a product pitch and talk about how we handle those things. But I, being aware of the buyer behavior um, and sometimes if you have a relationship, you actually get the right to ask them um, and they'll be willing to share that. If they feel like you're an asset and you're helping them to accomplish their goals, they'll share with you. Hey, I, you know, I went out and I did these three things. Um, 
anyway, that, that I don't. I think that the important part and what you're hitting at here is that it really, there are a lot of people that are involved in the home buying process. And I think all of us, um, you know, it's a theme that's been going on for years. Like all of us can do better with open lines of communication. The best way, you know, if you look at the best real estate agents who sell the most homes and the best brokerages who put with the best values, it's really about open lines of communication and helping your home buyer feel heard and felt and recognizing that this is an emotional process and you can't respond to emotion with automation. Um, this, this is still human and there are humans involved. And sometimes part of that is, you know, your buyer may not understand that, uh, but that's your job is to figure out how do you, how do you get to the human aspect of buying a home? This is a very big deal. Well, you know, push on the, on the human aspect of it. I mean, I, I, I've seen the last three to five years, you know, sort of arbitrarily making that number up where consumers, buyers and sellers are recognizing that they want a human in a lot of ways. They're, they see the automated aspect online, and then they come and then they realize I need someone to, to whom I can direct my questions who's going to answer that. Are you seeing similar trends in through your lens? Yeah, um, you know an interesting thing um, a story from talking to a, um, a large national lender, and there was a big push internally for them to automate their entire process start to finish. And their thesis was that um, first-time home buyers, millennials, would love this online process. And they found that it, it actually broke. Uh, millennials got to a point where uh, they just physically couldn't handle what to do next and needed to talk to a person. But the age group where this went particularly well, where they didn't expect it, was second and third time homebuyers who feel like they know the things that they need to know to get through it. They didn't need to talk to people. They felt like they understood the process. And um, I looked at that as being a really interesting piece of it, that um, the humans um, are valuable when we've all hit the limit of what we think we can do online. And if you turn it around into retail, we can all, you know, you buy a product, everything is great, but when you need customer service, you almost judge the company based on how easy it is to talk to a human. Um, you need to talk to a person when you have a, a question that can't be handled or serviced. And there's so many unique and individual parts of buying a home. Everybody feels like they're the first one to experience this problem. And there's a real service opportunity for the brokerage, for the for the real estate agent, um, really you know, for anybody in the process who can make a person feel heard and solve that problem for them. So what you're what you're saying is that listening and empathy are are things that we can't really automate. <laughs> I said I sense a little bit of sarcasm in the question. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm on the inside of that joke. There you go. How, how much, Dan? When you know when you're dealing with the with the buyers right now and they've they've gone through their internet tools that they're available and they come to the person. How much of that is then on your end at this point, kind of just looking for trend guidance and, and understanding what to consider moving forward when you're talking about rates and especially in this environment that we're in right now where we're seeing ups and downs that are unexpected. How much of that is kind of looking for a person just to give them confidence of, of what they're already thinking or, or kind of divert them into the right direction on that? Um, so are you, it sounds like you're asking um, how much of how much of any of this is really just moving people forward, right? Giving them the confidence that it's okay. <laughs> just just looking um, for the subjective side of of what's taking place. Um, it it's my feeling, and I, I sat across the table from um, lots and lots and lots of people who are buying homes, and when somebody gets in their mind that they want to buy a home, um, they want to, they, they want to understand how it's possible. Um, they want to understand the ways past the hurdles or through the, 
you know, over the bridges or whatever it is that that's stopping them. And and to Jim's point about listening and empathy, um, you know, there are ways to get into home ownership. There's lots of mortgage programs available. Sometimes it just takes some time and some advanced planning. There's lots and lots of ways. And I I think that even if somebody, if you can say to a, a home buyer that maybe now is not the right time for you, but provide them uh, steps and help them understand what's standing in their way and, and kind of a game plan for how to get, for, you know, how to get past that. Um, that's the kind of, of empathy that um, is lacking in general. Um, most times it's about making the sale at all costs, but that's not a real buyer centric attitude. And it's more, how do we help, how do we help home buyers accomplish their goal in a way that, um, is a positive force on their life and on their personal economy and, and, you know, on their household. I hope I answered your question. I, I'm not entirely sure if I did, but no, you, no, that's something that, yeah, that's, that's, I, I think um, all of this starts with putting the buyer first, always. What is it that the buyer, um, what information do they need? And I know you guys do a great job of, of putting out content and Jim in particular has been doing it for a very long time. And the, the key idea through all of this is that, um, whenever it comes into buying a home, it's a lot of fun up until the point where it's not. And that's when you've got to make lots of choices about a lot of financial topics that you might not have the background to handle. And it become overwhelming, right? And people right. say, I'm not a math person. They throw up their hands and, and it creates this sort of, um, you know, these nerves. But it, this isn't a, a math piece. This is about giving people information. Um, if you can give a home buyer complex information in a simple understand format, um, what you'll find over time is that people almost always make their best financial choice, even if it is to not buy a house this year. Um, and that's kind of, that's where, you know, as a human, like that's where I stand centered. It's that um, all we can do is give people really good information and help them decide for themselves, you know, what's the best path forward. And I, and I know you guys, you know, are on that same, um, in that same camp. Yeah, for for listeners, the three of Jonathan, Keith, and I are all sitting here nodding our heads in ascension, saying, "Uh huh, exactly what he's saying." Um, you know, th- th- this, this may be a question we we edit out later, but <laughs> what is one thing that you wish that realtors knew before they interacted with the lenders? Is there is there anything that you see cross market through your years of experience that you say, "Yeah, this is one or two things that I wish re- realtors were, were better prepared before they engage with the lender." Um, you know, that's a challenging question, um, because it, well, it, it may be for, for a different reason. Um, I, if you talk to real estate agents, they'll tell you that they want to be the quarterback of the transaction, right? The real estate agent is the focal point of the transaction. And if there's a hub, you know, real estate agents, the hub and everybody else is the spokes around it. And if you talk to most lenders, they'll say the same thing, except they'll put themselves, they want to be the quarterback of the transaction. And the hard part is that really the quarterback of the transaction of the home purchase is actually the home buyer. Um, The person who controls everything is the home buyer. And it's a difficult thing because the rest of us service providers um, are trying to um, move that home buyer off center and take control. And so um, the message isn't really just to real estate agents, uh, Jim. I I think it's it's really for everybody who is um, related to a home purchase transaction is to recognize that the person in control is the one buying the home and we all need to act accordingly and recognize that we're here to service. We're service providers. We're here to service the home buyer in our best way possible. And uh, sometimes that means, um, you know, deferring to the home buyer's needs and not trying to, you know, shove one way or the other. This is, um, 
you know, probably a, <laughs> I could talk a lot about this. Um, having seen a lot of um, behaviors that I, I think um, you see, you watch mortgage lenders and real estate agents get into contests, and it's like it's not about you. Um, this is about the home buyer. Right? Yeah, we're not going to edit that out. Well, and I, I think <laughs> you know the, the other part, Dan, to what you're speaking is you had just said that when given the right information in a simple, easy to understand version, that that clients will make the right decision for themselves and for their family. And I think there's a lot of behavioral economics that points to, given unlimited decision opportunities, it's very, very difficult to make the right decision. That working with someone who can ask the right questions, limit, not not limit the opportunity of products or limit the opportunity of loans or houses or whatever, but to be able to really start helping somebody wheedle down to exactly what they're looking mm -hmm. for, that's how you get that right decision. And, and the right team, whether it's the realtor or the lender, again, it's, it's client-focused and, and you're spot on on that one. Yeah, I, it's, um, I think that's the value of an expert. It can take uh, many choices and help you bring them down to just a few. And the key part um, you know, through all of this is that those, those remaining options should be what's best for the home buyer, um, not what's best for the service provider, sure. which is you know, that, um, very, very important distinction. And I, I like how you put that. It's you know, wheeling down to just a few options. Absolutely. Dan, I love your, um, I love your points about people about kind of the, the, the team working together for the for the home buyer. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, on this concept of companies talking about how they want to kind of build the unified platform kind of under one roof of you know everything from lead gen to realtor services to insurance to mortgage you know the the argument for that is if we can keep all this under one ha under one roof we can streamline the process and make it much better for the realtor on the or excuse me for the for the home buyer um, on the on the flip side you've got the situation of uh, of specialization is how can one entity really kind of specialize in insurance mortgage brokerage because ultimately they're 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 different uh, skill sets. So I'd love to get your take on that and kind of building this team for the home buyer and, and what your thoughts are on, on how it's going to, you know, how it's going to uh, transpire moving forward. I wish I knew. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of companies making very big bets um, on the end-to-end um, -end part. And uh, some of those bets will pay off and some of them won't. I think, um, you know, to the point on, you know, behavioral economics, um, it's, if, if the solution is efficient for the company, that, that might, that's terrific for, for business. Um, but if it creates inefficiencies for the home buyer or long-term, um, you know, uh, becomes suboptimal for the consumer, the consumer will choose elsewhere. So even though it is um, business-wise efficient process, uh, it may not be, uh, it may not be what's best for the consumer. And I, I think we don't know yet. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see, um, uh, these purchases that, that are being made, they're very large dollar figures and um, there's, uh, they're at very big scale. And I think, you know, sometimes that leaves a lot of room for smaller players too, very niche players. I don't know. I, you guys are closer to this than I am um, being deep into the transactions as you are on that end. What's your take on it? Look, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you that, uh, you know, st straddling the line a little bit here, but look, there, you know, the, the the situation we are right now in the in the industry is there's eighty thousand plus brokerages. I think there's going to be some consolidation. I think there's some new business models coming down the pipeline that are actually for the first time, um, at least since I've been in business for 
uh, which is 16, 17 years, um, are actually adding some value to the consumer and, and solving some problems. So um, I don't necessarily think that we're in a uh, we're in a world where there's going to be a binary solution of this is going to happen or th this company's going to win and this company's going to lose. I think there are going to be some different options out there, um, and I think there probably will be some end-to-end -end solutions that that figure out in the next you know five six years that uh, that could be good options. But I also think that there's going to be some um, some more niche options that that will serve the needs of, of buyers and sellers also. You know, you've got, if you take an example from retail, you've got, you know, your targets, your Walmarts, um, these giant stores, and, and those are great for a lot of customers. And then you've also got some that prefer, you know, the Nordstrom's and the Neiman's and, and that it, there's room for, there's room for everything. It's the consumer who gets to choose what's best for them. The important part is that the consumer understands the difference in value, um, what it is they're paying for, or not paying for. Um, I think that's the important part. It comes in messaging, which goes back to our original point. You know, that's this is um, how do you get your message out of what your value is, and uh, how do you track the you know the right clients for that? And Dan, I'm going to say that that's a fantastic endpoint for this. Um, you, uh, I really couldn't have said it any better any better than that. I think it's a matter of keeping that balance between the the customer and the brokerages, and making sure that we're all focused on the same thing, and that's helping the client consumer to to make good decisions. Um, so I will say. Thank you very much, uh, Dan Green, Customer Cultivate. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the, uh, the Nest podcast. This was a great time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Thanks Dan. All right. Bye. So, Dan, on that, on that last note, um, <laughs> there was an architect friend of mine who we were trying to get him a, a gig with a pretty decent house. And the person opted literally just to go to a Southern Living home plan and start with that. And my client's, my, my friend's comment was, he goes, you know, Keith, he said, there are people who can buy a wedding dress at Walmart and be happy. And I thought, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a harsh way of looking at it. But yeah, there's, everybody's got a different level of what they're expecting and wanting from service. And some people are willing to pay for it and some people aren't. And it's a, it's an interesting gig, but. <laughs> I'll use that story. That's great. We want to thank Dan Green for joining us. Looking forward to you listening to the next episode of Sweat the Details.